0: You see a lot of women who, you know, try to further their education, try to build a career for themselves, and they start becoming like a threat to the man.
1: So welcome back to I'm the Villain. Today, we're going to be talking about um, basically, like, choosing to not... Look for a partner or to, to stay single kind of in this <laughs> very I, I feel like it's very connected to our our thoughts on romanticism, which was many episodes ago um, and the societal pressure that we feel to do that. Um, and we're going to be talking with Edirine from who was previously living in Lagos and is now based in Dubai. Um, but could you just give a quick bio for any of the listeners to just let them know? Who you are, and anything you want them to know about
0: you? Thank you so much, Isabel, for having me, and Deandre. Yep,
2: yeah, Deandre. How
0: am I pronouncing that right? Hi, nice to meet you. Um, my name is Adiren Um originally from. Nigeria. I used to live in Lagos, Nigeria up until three months ago when I moved to Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. And um, I am the co-founder of the Seventh Floor Consulting. Uh, we do IT consultations and helping people to move their businesses from offline into online based on all the things that have been happening with the pandemic and helping people to also host virtual um, conferences as well, for, especially for people who, who, who normally do um, physical events. Um, I also am a multiple Amazon best-selling author, international speaker, coach, trainer, consultant, have a large community of uh, mostly African authors and entrepreneurs, helping them to um, get published, published internationally, and helping them to actually build influence and income from um, their writing skills. So I just turned 30, uh, 13 days ago as well.
1: Wow. So, oh my God, you know, like- <laughs> you've been busy. <laughs> Happy belated. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that's me in the show. Wow. So <laughs> that's incredible. Um, I am really curious about, you know, since you propose this topic of like, you know, choosing to like stay single. Um, if it, it sounds like you have been extremely like on it career wise. Um, and I'm really curious as to what. The culture around like, you know, finding a partner and, you know, all that is like in, I guess, mostly in Lagos, since that's where you have, were you in uh, in Nigeria, oh, like the whole rest of your yeah. life before. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I assumed. And, and so like I. <laughs> um, I I just, yeah, I want to I wanna know about that because I don't want to assume it's necessarily like the American Ooh. context because we're both based in D.C. Uh,
0: I, I'm not sure I know much about the American context, but I can tell you that in Africa in general that there is a whole lot of pressure um, on a woman to get married, you know. I feel like sometimes even more pressure to get married than even to go to school and get an education. Um, we still have a lot of um, instances where children, young girls who are barely in their teens are given off um, into marriage, you know, to who are old enough to be their grandfather so it just shows you what the priority is for women um, in the country and in the continent as a whole Um, thankfully because of modernization you know a lot of women are now going to school and getting an education and it's great it's good to see women excelling and being at the forefront of of education and trying to improve themselves then you see the pushback from society from the, uh, the patriarchy society because Nigeria and Africa generally uh, is a very patriarchal society where the man has the final say and, you know, their word against every other person's, and you basically have to submit to them and a whole lot of things that we could practically unpack for many, many days to come. Um, But you see a lot of women who, you know, try to further their education, try to build a career for themselves, and they start becoming like a threat to the man. You know, because um, Mm -hmm. I know that insecurity for men is not just an African thing, it's a worldwide thing. And you see a lot of um, statements coming from men and even from our mothers telling us, oh, you need to slow down with the education. Why do you need to go do a PhD when you could be getting married and having kids? Why do you need to do a master's degree um, when you need to settle down and get married? You're not getting any younger. Your biological clock is ticking and, you know. So there's so much pressure from society. There's so much pressure from your family, especially your parents, especially your mom, who tells you that, okay, you're out of school now. It's time for you to get married. You literally get into university and your parents are telling you, if you meet a young man there, say yes and bring him home. You know, And there's all of these very interesting things. Um, double standards I guess that you could say uh, where women are prepared for marriage and men are basically just prepared for life and then you find a situation where you have a generation where you have women that are overtly prepared for marriage and men who have no idea what to do in such um, situations they think that marriage is just about um, getting a wife having kids, providing for the kids and that's just it and the woman has to do every other thing when it comes to marriage so there's a lot we could talk about but that's just like an intro it's really 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 difficult and seriously pressurizing I guess especially if you're a firstborn which I am and your younger ones are also girls and one of them is already married with a kid and like what's happening you know and you have aunties coming to pray for you and tell you that don't worry the Lord will do it for you um you might meet somebody and in three months you're married and you're like okay thank you and (laughs) my like, you know, <laughs> and in three months you know, one thing in your mind and nobody can on the next you know the family starts calling interventions calling your pastors for deliverance saying something else is wrong with you there's a whole lot but we're, we're, we're trying <laughs> we're trying
1: oh my gosh <laughs> it. yeah that's intense
0: <laughs> yeah
1: do you have anybody who's kind of trying to support Like what you're actually choosing to do? Like, do you have people in your life who are like, oh, yeah, like, you know, go do this, you know,
0: follow your, you know, career dreams and like do what you want to do? Absolutely. I I deliberately chose to surround myself with people like that. Um, I have a lot of married friends, but I also have a lot of friends who aren't married, but, you know, are also doing amazingly well in their careers. And, you know, we just have a support system where we just tell each other, you know, what you're doing great. Doesn't matter what anybody else thinks you're doing amazing and if you want to get married when the time is right You will get married.
2: Yeah, is there a or what's the culture around divorce in Nigeria?
0: Oh, I Think we are just beginning to come into a phase where women are no longer feeling like they have to remain in an abusive relationship or an abusive marriage, you know, because There are so many instances now, you know, in the past couple of years, the past five years or so, where you see a lot of women who were killed um, by their husbands, and, you know, and the signs were always there. You, you see women who have always complained. Some of them even left the marriage, went back to their parents' house, and their parents will send them back to their husband's house. And you have parents who tell you, especially the moms who tell you that, oh, you have to endure for your children. You know, what would people say? So there's this whole stigma around being divorced and being a single mom. Like um, society kind of looks at you like an outcast, looks at you like a failure and says you didn't try hard enough and you couldn't. Bear it and manage it. And in Nigeria is a very religious country. It's like a lot of Muslims and a lot of Christians and very, very religious as well. And they, you know, they always say that oh, um, it's not biblical or it's not religious for you to just leave a, a marriage like that, except on like very, very severe cases. And even when those severe cases come to bear, um, you're still told by your by your religious leaders, by your pastors and imams and elders and parents that you should go back. To the marriage and endure until you find situations where women go back and then they end up getting hacked to death. So it's 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 a stigma that we still try to like um, um, bring to light and talk about and try to encourage women that it's okay to leave. You know, there's something that we always say: live to live. So basically, leave an abusive relationship if you want to leave, especially for for yourself, for your kids, and all of that. So yeah, yeah, it's a serious issue.
2: So when did you decide that? you kind of wanted to like remove yourself from the like the, the marriage rat race
0: <laughs> i like that you called it a rat race <laughs> <laughs> I, I i guess i wasn't always enthusiastic about it though um i know my mom is listening sorry mom <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but I, I i i i don't think i actually was enthusiastic about it i mean um when I was in, in uni, you know, I had I was in relationships and they didn't necessarily turn out well. They weren't necessarily the best, you know. Um, I was also having to struggle with um, depression, chronic depression, and um, um, a couple other um, mental health issues. By 2011, I attempted to take my own life. I was saved miraculously. I, I honestly don't know how I got saved till today because I... Um, overdosed on some prescription drugs and passed out. I was alone in my room, and you know, woke up the next morning feeling fine. I don't know how that happened. Um, oh my god! I, yeah, I don't know. Wow. I it's a miracle. <laughs> I, yeah, 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 or someone up there was definitely looking after me. After me. So um, at that time, you know, uh, it just dawned on me that was like my rock bottom um, time. It just dawned on me that something was fundamentally wrong and I needed to be by myself in order to fix it so that was when I decided to go on the journey to heal to seek help and to basically get to know myself again I had suffered through depression all through my teens up until when I was 20 when you know that happened and that was when I decided you know I think I need to to help myself so like for three years after that I was really um, focused on my growth focused on my mental health focused on taking care of myself and trying to get to to start a career for myself. Um, Three years after that, I met somebody. One and a half months later, I realized that it wasn't for me. That was when I realized that relationship wasn't my thing because he was serious. He wanted to get married, but I didn't see myself wanting to get married at the time. And um, the person at the time really wanted a woman who could be like a trophy wife. Um, someone who didn't have to work because he had the money to take care of her. And at the point in time, I was already aware that, hey, I need to do something for myself. I need to be my own person. I need to be independent. I need to have something that could be mine, potentially. And getting married to that person at the time wouldn't give me the opportunity to do that. So I said no to the marriage and to um, to the relationship in itself. That was when I made the decision that, you know what, I think I just better focus on myself. And I have been doing that, and become very, very busy. And the time has just passed, (laughs) and I didn't know when it passed. I look back and I'm like, oh wow, it's like seven, eight years or so that I've just been, you know, single and (laughs) just been working on myself and building my life and building my career, and it's been amazing since then. Honestly,
1: that's awesome.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there's a yeah. uh, I feel like me and me and Isabel have talked on the show about how. You know, when you're <laughs> – the, the culture around romanticism, at least here in the U.S., is, like, still very pro. It's not nearly as, like, I think, like, overt pressure as you were describing experiencing in Nigeria. Um, but there's definitely still the aspect of, like, you know, at least with our parents and our grandparents, especially in the American South where I am from um, – it's definitely like, a okay, so what's uh what's up? You're 25, 26. What's, uh, what's going on? You got any prospects? You going to get married? Uh, <laughs> and I, yeah, I've definitely spent a lot of time thinking about the sort of like merits that come with like at least focusing on bettering yourself at all times, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: And I feel like I personally never experienced any pressure to get married from my family which I am extremely grateful for um but it's definitely something where I have so many friends who I don't think the culture is such that like it would be considered okay to kind of like overtly be like oh like you're gonna get you know we're gonna pray for you you're gonna get married in three months but I do think it's more of the kind of thing where people are like oh like I really want grandchildren like yeah <laughs> and like you know being a little bit more subtle but like yeah definitely people i think even like more traditional people can be more like pushy about cool. it in this way that is definitely still this very pervasive culture and then i really i think it for for so many of my friends who are looking for that it is such ever-present pressure in their lives to find somebody and they're constantly on the apps, which is a very often dissatisfying experience, (laughs) (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and um, it just really like weighs down as this negativity in their lives when they're single and, you know, as they get older Feel this like, you know, ever increasing. Yeah, like you said, the biological clock and the, you know, like just feeling that people are getting scooped up the longer you wait, you know, and it's it's one of those things that really sucks as a life goal because it's fundamentally predicated on other people right it's not you don't really have control over whether or not like, so, you know you find somebody else who's compatible with you whereas you do have a lot of control over something like your career because you can like you know it's basically within your power to make all the de- the, the right decisions if you want to to kind of yeah. advance your career in that way which in my mind yeah. feels
0: way more satisfying it does right and um, the pressure from social media as well is another thing that especially our generation like everybody's life is on social media and the thing is many people don't realize that social media is very curated people Mm -hmm. only show you what they want you to see like um it's valentine's period right now and the pressure is on (laughs) everyone is on you know like all the all the brands all the companies then all the couples and all the people who are partners and stuff like that so there's all of these things and it's one of the saddest periods statistically for for singles you know people who are single because they start feeling the pressure and all of that but I, I, I was saying this to um, my community uh, very and I think just this evening that um, find things that you actually like find things that you actually love and and do them if you feel like social media is going to make you feel so much pressure on Valentine's Day turn off your phone <laughs> do something else like go get and chill by yourself get a bottle of wine and chocolates and something and just be your own vow, you know. Um, I was talking and a lot of people were like, oh, no, we want to see all the stories. I'm like, it's good that you want to see all the stories of all the people who are professing love, but do you have the mental capacity to handle the aftermath of those things? Because you see them and then you smile and you feel happy for those people. And then when you turn off your phone, you're alone with yourself, you're alone with your thoughts, and then those things linger and you start wondering, okay, when is it going to be my turn? What am I going to do? And we have all kinds of stories of people going the extra lengths to do all kinds of funny things. Um, like uh, the stories of people who like buy stuff for themselves and take pictures and oh my Val sent me this you know having to try to put up some sort of facade just so that you can feel among so you don't feel like you're the only one who isn't doing anything again so all these things are are challenges that you know it's I think like there's so much pressure from the outside not even just our own family and friends but there's also so much pressure from the outside to to want to be loved up especially during this period.
2: Yeah. And that pressure, I think then like makes people want to make those kinds of decisions faster and often leads to just people making worse decisions, right? Like deciding that they want to be with someone forever or like to commit themselves to someone that like really is actually a sack of shit, (laughs) but you just haven't gotten to know them yet.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Or just like you might know somebody in a particular context, but because The norms around romanticism that we have presently require all kinds of other things like living with your partner, like co-parenting with your partner, like all of these other, you know, hats that don't necessarily, in my mind, have to be fulfilled by a romantic partner. Like, you might be great, like, you know, significant others, you know, who don't live together, right? You might be terrible roommates, but you might be, you know... (laughs) You know, great partners otherwise, right? But then we do we I I think part of what ruins it for a lot of people is that then you Uh, feel like, feel obligated to do all
0: these other things on top of it that might actually ruin your relationship. (laughs) I I, I think that also um, um, bears to the point that we have to actually find out for ourselves what we actually like and what we actually like ourselves. Because I feel like a lot of people go out and do these things because they don't know what they want. They don't know what they like. So they're just trying everything else that everybody else is doing. But someone like me, for example, I know that, for example, I don't like PDAs. So I would not expect somebody that I'm um, eventually going to be with to try and do those things in public. I have social anxiety, so you wouldn't try to put me on the spot with all those kinds of things because we'll fight, (laughs) (laughs) you know, know, things like that Uh, and trying to understand who you are, what you like. I I feel like the period of time when you are single and intentionally single, because many times people, they find themselves single. and. Instead of them enjoying their singlehood or their singleness, they're constantly thinking about the next relationship. You're constantly thinking about going on to the next one. And that prevents us or prevents people from taking the time to enjoy being by yourself, enjoy being alone with yourself, finding out what it is that you like, finding out what makes you tick. So that when you eventually get to meet someone, it's easy for you to be able to say, okay, um, this is kind of conversation we're having, and this is who I am, and this is what I like. So you're not confused when you know somebody asks you, oh, are you interested in this? And you say yes, and you find out that you're not actually interested, but you just said yes because it was something that was the norm. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But you're able yeah. to, okay, you know, know yourself so much and enjoy being alone by yourself so that even if somebody comes, it's just an added advantage, just an added bonus. It doesn't really add something so grand to your life that you feel like you cannot live without somebody else again, when you eventually find yourself um, without a partner.
2: Yeah. It's such a valuable time. Like that you, that when you, when you do get time, not in a relationship or to yourself, obviously, if it's been a long time, it doesn't feel like valuable time. Like you're just kind of getting tired of it, but it is super. Yeah. Valuable time that when you don't have anymore, you're going to kind of wish like, damn, That was, you know, there were some perks to that. Like, there are pros and cons to every situation. And I think that people, yeah, I mean, it's obviously a lot easier to see the negative in being single. But there's a lot of opportunity there, as you're demonstrating.
1: Exactly. Well, especially during a pandemic like this, right, that's literally forcing people to be alone i feel like that mindset really determines how bad of a time you have in that those kinds of crises right like <laughs> if, if you view it as one of those things where you if you if you are sitting here during this pandemic maybe you like live alone maybe you're like having all of these thoughts of like oh my god this is terrible like that mindset is also going to make it more terrible for you as opposed to being like wow this is great i have all this time for me to focus on myself and like you know work on my goals and and like myself and the things that i need exactly the pandemic
0: was the best time for me My friends didn't understand. I was like, Yeah, pandemic. Um, I, <laughs> so they were like, oh my God, we can't go out. We can't do this. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? This is my life. This has always been like my everyday life, you know, because <laughs> I live alone. Um, the only good part is I don't get to get visitors. I don't get rent from <laughs> my life when I don't want to. But it's also um, um, that period of time where you know that you actually not seeing. There, there was a time during the pandemic where I didn't see a soul, for one and a half months, not a single soul. I wasn't even, I wasn't seeing anybody. I just, you know, had my food in my house. And I was like, okay, cool. What do I do with all of this free time? And <laughs> I started to learn a lot of things. I picked up a new language. I started to learn a different language. I got a bit proficient at it. Um, I decided to try to learn a new tech skill. I became proficient at it. I decided to try um, a couple other things that I could do by myself. Um, I discovered my love for the film industry—not just for watching film, but I was—I started becoming more curious about okay, what goes behind all these movies that I love? Why do I feel this way when I listen to watch a particular movie? Or is it—is it because of the score? Is it the costumes? And you know, and it helped me to discover a whole new industry that I could actually get into, which has actually turned very profitable for me. Um, this period of time so you never know what you could discover about yourself and what you could actually learn and improve that could actually prove valuable to you once you know the whole pandemic stuff is over and people are actually able to live a somewhat normal life as well so i always encourage people take time out even if there's no pandemic take time out to just be by yourself and get to know yourself intimately. you can just love yourself you never know
2: so do you think you'll are you like completely ruling out relationships and marriage? Or is this like, will you, is there a time where you'll re-enter the pool?
0: Um, I like to live my life as whatever will happen will happen when it will happen. So I'm not necessarily looking for someone, neither am I like in a situation where I'm like, okay, there's nobody, whatever. I just really focused on, on my work and my career at this particular time. And when the time comes where my focus is less on my career because I've been able to find some... Relief from all the busyness that I'm, I'm doing, and I'm able to have a more social life. Fine, then that will happen, and and I will be more confident going into that because I am. Um, I feel like I'm much more prepared. I'm much more mature. I'm grown. I don't have emotional baggage, <laughs> and so I've been able to take care <laughs> of all of those things. So going into that, I would not feel hesitant or scared, or you know it's just going to if 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 it ever happens it's just going to be an added bonus for my life if it doesn't happen i will be fine either way
2: yeah that's the true sweet spot right there you know you gotta just be like like you gotta be in a place with yourself where you're like all right you know if it happens cool but we can keep rocking this way too all right like the clock the pressure is what is what yeah makes people feel so shitty
0: yeah another thing that uh, um, i wanted to talk about is Especially, I don't know if this happens in America, but for women in in Africa and Nigeria especially, you find a lot of women who are getting advanced in age and who have the potential to do amazing stuff. Um, And you hear them say very sad things like, oh, um, I don't want to buy a house or I don't want to get a new car because it's going to make me um, unattractive to men because men will see me as a threat. You know it happens. It literally happens. I know your 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 eyes are, but yeah, it happens. Like even your your parents and your you have people friends telling you, oh, um, don't take that promotion at work because if you do, you know you're going to be too powerful and man doesn't want a very powerful woman. Um, oh don't don't go on vacations, don't take pictures even if you go on vacations because a man is going to feel like, oh, he, there's nothing he can do for you again because you can't take care of yourself now. And it's a very toxic mentality and a very toxic mindset because you see a lot of women, you know, shrinking themselves just because they want to, find a, a man or a relationship uh, you know, or, or something like that. And I, I will always tell them that if you do that, then you're not living your life to your fullest. And even if you get into a relationship or you get married, you will not like yourself. You will always feel resentful towards that person because you feel like it's because of you that I haven't been able to achieve my potential. And what stops the dude that you get married to um, eventually, from telling you that, oh, you know what, don't even work again. Um, because many women feel like, okay, when I get married, then I will start pursuing my dreams. and um, It's shocking for, for them to not even realize that, by the time you get married, before you know what's happening, kids have come, you have other responsibilities, you have no time whatsoever to lay the foundations, to actually start pursuing your dreams. So being the point where you're single, when you are, have the opportunity and the ability to do all of these things is when you should pursue them. And there is always somebody for somebody. If you're looking for a relationship, there's always somebody for you. No matter how powerful you are, there'll always be somebody who would find you and who, who would be at your level if you if you think about those kind of things, and we'll be happy to have you just the way you are. And so um, I don't know what kind of people are going to be listening. Probably people from from um, developing countries and countries where this mindset is still a tradition, where you know because of the patriarchy, you find a lot of women um, shrinking themselves and trying to fit into some sort of mold or some sort of ideal subservient woman who's supposed to be not wealthy or not ambitious or not career-driven just because they want to actually get married.
1: Yeah. And that has really, that mindset I think has really, when I think about the long-term, what I imagine our economies are going to look like in like 10, 20 years, I feel like that mindset is especially bad because we're starting to see these trends of automation, of jobs, where like so much of that really strong you know identity with your career and like seeing your worth as your ability to put food on the table is I think going to be in jeopardy because of things like artificial intelligence and just you know advancements in automation and not only do we obviously see that mentality as having the negative consequences that you pointed out for women now Right. In terms of like getting them to not do these things that would that would help them to advance their careers and, you know, their potential. But also in the long run, as we see, you know, as we see countries become, you know, more economically prosperous, especially and progressive in terms of women's rights, such that women can, you know, have their own jobs and be completely self-sufficient that also presents itself as a crisis for men right because as women marry less right i mean the traditional roles of women being the kind of homemakers and the men being the breadwinners is going to be such that if the women can be their own breadwinners I I do feel like we are actually moving in a direction where we're teaching women how to do the stuff that men have traditionally been doing. And I actually do think that a lot of the jobs that are going to be available in the future are going to be jobs that women are inherently like because of the way we're socialized better at because a lot of that involves emotional labor and like caretaking and things that are a little bit more service oriented as opposed to like manufacturing jobs. I feel like that's going to be a real crisis for men because, you know, as we replace those jobs, I feel like that's going to happen faster than, you know, everyone needs to be able to like take care of themselves. And so if we don't have these traditional like roles that are being fulfilled by men and women in these hetero relationships, the way our society has traditionally been designed, I feel like I know a lot of men who were never taught or socialized to kind of like, take care of themselves I mean I, maybe that sounds savage but DeAndre do you like kind of agree with that <laughs> oh
2: yeah absolutely yeah. I mean like I know like
1: right?
2: yeah I know dudes that are you know I know I know a lot of like self-sufficient dudes but I also sure. know a lot of dudes that are like oh I you know I don't cook at all right like I just like I only order takeout or like I only like make myself you know bowls of cereal like yeah I, de- I definitely know dudes that don't have like the skills necessary to you know take themselves like take care of themselves for the whole lives and it's probably just as you said probably because they're like no one ever taught them that because they felt that he wouldn't need those skills right but fam it's time might be time for you to learn
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly those are basic life skills everyone needs to know such things you need to know how to cook and take care of yourself and wash your clothes and um, clean your homes and stuff like that and you know um, we see a lot of men who who grew up never having learned those skills, and we're very tempted to blame the parents, you know, um, um, for always telling the girls, like, oh, you need to learn to cook, you need to learn how to clean because you're going to get married and that's what you're going to be doing. And then you have the man or the boy in the house who's just allowed to play games and all of that because men are not necessarily groomed for marriage, um, unlike women Mm -hmm. who basically, like, We have a saying in Nigeria where your mother, when your mom is scolding you as a girl, your mom will tell you, Is this how you're going to be behaving in your husband's house? You know, that's basically the tradition, this stereotypical cliche scolding that every girl has heard (laughs) at least once in their life. Like, Oh, you're still sleeping at 7 a.m. in in the morning. Is this how you're going to be sleeping in your husband's house? So you have that where women are basically trained to be caretakers and homemakers and do all of those domestic work, and the men are just allowed to be whatever they want to be. And then you grow up and find so many men who can't take care of themselves. And instead... um, you see them on social media start talking about oh I want to get married to a woman that you know I don't want to marry a woman who's always at work I want to marry a woman who can clean and cook and and do all of that and people are like oh you you should probably just hire a maid then because you all the things you're listing are <laughs> the things that a maid should be doing and not just yeah you, know, yeah, you can have
2: a, you can have a maid
0: exactly all of them wanted to marry maids instead of actual women who can you know be who they can be compatible with though. So, um, it's it's a problem I, I think that um people need to pay more attention to, you know, it's even the men as well. Like if you want to marry well then you have to pay attention and lend your voice to these conversations as well.
1: Totally. Yeah. I mean, how dare you spend all this time working when you could be <laughs> you're wasting time where you could be my live in mate. <laughs> yeah. I mean I I've had uh, this a uh, kind of similar conversation with a friend of mine who is very bought into that. Um like idea of marriage. And I think her, so her justification was very much like, I also really believe in this vision of instead of this um, traditional nuclear family with, you know, like a hetero, you know, man, woman, dog and child, um, you know, having these more culture, like sort of alternative communities where we have a support system that's composed of our friends and the people that we choose to be around or our business partners or, our, you know, whatever, like our therapists and like, you know, all these other people that we can kind of use to help fill those roles that I think we all kind of agree are really important parts of being part of a community and being in a society. But like she was saying, like during this pandemic it's it's hard to continue and she's also like a little bit older than me i'm in my 20s and she's like in her 30s i'm like 26 and so she was like yeah you think you like like i also like to think that but you know once a lot of your friends start getting married right like especially friends who also said like oh yeah i really value my friendships um they still really start to like reach out less and do a lot of that relationship maintenance that I was like hoping that they would do. And I feel a lot of that relationship maintenance burden going on to me because I'm single and I don't have somebody who's living with me every day to kind of fulfill some of those social needs for me. So I feel more of a pressure to kind of reach out than my like non-single right. married friends do and like yes even though they technically like will will say that they share these ideals with me in practice the incentive structures of like being married end up such that that doesn't end up bearing out in reality which is why like I would love to have this this like idyllic system of everyone just being in communities and living around their friends but she's like in in the society we live in that's just not realistic um because people are so 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 motivated to just follow these exact same family norms that our society lays out for us and i'm curious what you think about that
0: that's um that's actually i actually haven't thought about it that way but now you're you're, you're talking about it I, I can see it um because most of my friends are married yeah mm-hmm. yeah I'm at that age where most of my friends most of my friends are older as well most of my friends have kids that are up to 10 12 years old um so you see you see these situations where you know personally i don't mind i'm a very introverted hermit person i'm very self-sufficient um but you know there are times where i definitely want to hang out with my friends and stuff but they're like oh i'm taking care of the i'm taking care of the kids today or this or that and you know the, the relationship that i have with them before they got married is completely different and it happens that you see a lot of married people, married people reaching out less and less because it's it, you you kind of feel as a single person that, oh, maybe the spouse or their partner is kind of fulfilling those um, needs for them now. So they don't necessarily need us anymore. And that's pretty cool. But I think that um, we can be intentional about the kind of the relationships that we have, especially if you have great friends and great support systems, even before you get into um, marriage, you can be intentional about reaching out. I I think life is about intentionality. You can decide that, you know what, every month we're going to have like a girl's tea tea party or something everyone we're going to go go to the movies we're going to plan like time to you know to be able to service your actual or your other relationships as well and i feel like it also helps to relieve somebody from your partner because if you go into a, a partnership a, a marriage a relationship you know expecting your partner to start fulfilling all these needs that your your friends used to your partner becomes your therapist your partner becomes your play date, your partner becomes everything it can be a bit much for them i think we we need to um, people need to understand that they need to help your partner to have less pressure by, you know, um, delegating those, um, um, what you call it now, delegating those responsibilities to other people and allow them to also be and have their own personal lives as well, instead of expecting all of these things from them. I think, I think it's also um, one of the things that put marriages under pressure as well. You know, when you go into a relationship, a partnership, expecting this person to just be your alpha and omega, and this person is like, I have my own life to live as well and I'm trying to also be intentional with my friends and my communities and then one person starts to feel left out because there's now a dependency issue that has been created out of that. So I think um, even before you get married, have the conversation with your friends, have a conversation with your partner that, oh, even though I'm entering into a partnership with you, I would want to also maintain um, relationships and, you know, have all these wonderful relationship that I've always had with my friends as well and be intentional about it. I think, I think, um, I I like to handle everything like a business if it's possible to even set up like a Slack for your friends and then schedule all of these things. Okay. Let's have, when is everybody free so we can have this, so we can have that and stuff like that. I think that really helps as well.
2: Yeah. I think the, the biggest like relationship hack that I learned after I think my second relationship, was, like, oh, when I'm dating someone, we don't have to be together all the fucking time.
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah.
2: in, fa- in fact, like, it's definitely 100% better if we each are intentional, yeah, about having stuff that we do separately and be- being individuals. Like, another thing that, yeah, is not like, no one really tells you that, at least here in the U.S., or I feel like nowhere, like, no one really tells you that, like, that it's important to maintain individuality in your relationships. Um, but, there's like that that for me that like sort of breathing room and that freedom is crucial <laughs> get some hobbies that don't include them do them with your friends and don't do them with your partner <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah and i you know i guess we should have uh maybe give this context at the beginning but both of us so both deandre and i do have like partners that i i would I, that are like long-term partners like me i've been in my current relationship for like almost six years now but I really, really relate to this mentality that you're talking about of just like really not letting it be this big, overwhelming, kind of defining part of your life. And I feel like the big difference between what usually um, is the deciding factor in whether you're like able to have that mentality is whether or not you want children. So it, do you, I guess we didn't actually discuss this but I assume you don't want children but I don't know if that's a right a correct assumption is nah. that true
0: no, I love children oh okay so how, yeah what is that what is that
1: then like how does that kind of factor into your calculation? yeah
0: so again this is the one aspect that you know it's really hard to not run away from like I can run away from the whole I'm not ready to settle down yet you know thing and my family can be like okay fine we have other girls in the house but the aspect of okay when it comes to kids um it's it's a very dicey um um conversation to have very, very dicey conversation to have, Um, especially from where I come from, you know, where, um, society expects that you should be, you should be married in order to have kids or you could decide to, um, adopt if you, if you probably find yourself either unable to marry or you are in a marriage and you can't have kids. So, but I'm of the idea that I could, I, what if I don't want to get married? And I still want to have kids anyway. I, there are many options for me. I could do an IVF. I could do surrogacy. Um, these are not conversations that we have in Nigeria. <laughs> like people who do have IVF and who get pregnant through IVFs, there is a stigma behind that. There is—it's crazy to think about that, but there is a stigma behind. Oh, so you couldn't get pregnant the normal way, or you know, and people will, will talk. They may not necessarily say stuff to your face, but they will definitely talk. So, women who you know, who are, are trying to conceive and have to go through IVF and stuff, usually are very quiet about it. They don't say anything. There are very, very few women who are bold enough to. And I think that this is conversation that should be had. So I'm, I'm the kind of person that, like, okay, what if I don't wanna, you know, I wanna have a kid, maybe I wanna adopt or something. And yeah, I haven't had, I haven't had the courage to have that conversation with my family <laughs> yet, but I definitely see myself having kids in the future. How, I do not know yeah it could be idf it could be surrogacy i could decide to um carry the pregnancy full term and have a home birth or whatever I decide to adopt if i want to anyone decide i don't even want any kids at all but marriage conversation can manage to <laughs> to be avoided in in a family situation in a family setting in in, in africa kids Mm-mm. no even though my 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 mom has four girls She still wants kids from everybody. She wants to have all the kids that she can have. And that's how most moms are. They don't care how many other kids they have. Like, everyone must have a kid. So, we're still getting there to uh, the point where we can openly have such conversations without having shoes thrown at our heads. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: totally. And it's in America, too. It's so like. I have a friend who's in the process of like trying to like freeze her eggs and I feel like actually like this is not something that gets talked about very much at all but because (laughs) you know women in the U.S. are having children later and later especially if you are trying to focus on your career in the beginning of your life and like you know you can really only have children until like maybe your late 30s like and after that people start getting like you know, less and less fertile. And so then a lot of people are like, but I don't want to have kids in that time frame, So I'm going to try to freeze my eggs. And yet there's so many obstacles to actually making that happen because it's really expensive. It's not really covered by insurance because it's not considered like a necessary procedure by insurance companies. And it's just generally like really difficult to... Kind of have a conversation around and so it's definitely something that i feel like a lot of women who are career focused in the us even if they are married have to try to figure out because often like they don't even figure out that they're you know not fertile or haven't mm. been like checking in on their fertility
0: mm. until it's kind of too Absolutely. late it's funny that you said it. um um i've, I've been I should I say privileged or blessed now to have had exposure very early on in my life so I understand the process of you know wanting to do such things like freeze your eggs and stuff you will not believe the number of, of people who probably haven't even heard that that's a possibility you know where I come from so you see a lot of um, older women who are you know probably getting into marriage later in life and then finding out that it's difficult for them to have kids and They are just realizing that they could have done that much, much earlier on in their lives. They wanted to have kids and, you know, everything that we find. A lot of, again, um, health insurance is almost negligible where I come from. You know, no one really cares. Um, We have a statement in in Nigeria where we say our health insurance is the blood of Jesus. You know, basically like, like, like... Life insurance, health insurance those are the hardest things to sell. Where you come from? Because if you try to sell life insurance to somebody, they will tell you that you're trying to tell them that you are trying to kill them, you know, before their time. So you can imagine the the mindset of of many of the people there who who don't think about these things, who don't you know take their health seriously, and don't check for underlying illnesses. Many uh, women don't even um, go for checkups, to pap tests, and all of those things. And um, you find a lot of people who then going to a marriage and uh, finding it difficult to conceive and they're having all these issues and they don't even realize that that could have been an option for them a long time ago so yeah i feel like not enough not enough is being said about you know options for women who want to um not just for women but for people in general who want to be able to have kids when they want to have kids that's another yeah
1: Yeah. and it feels I don't know. It feels pretty much impossible from even after you, you know, figure out the fertility thing uh, to parent as a single parent and have a job. So, like, I'm curious also if you have some kind of like, you know, you know, people who maybe like, you know, we were talking um, in a previous episode that we just recorded this week with somebody who's a single mom, but she has a huge support system of like her mom and her sister and friends who are helping her take care of her three-year-old daughter. And, you know, she very much envisions this like community of uh, like village of people to, to help her be a parent, which I really believe in. And I feel like that's like the ideal way, you know, to raise a child because it is so much work and it gives them this diversity of experiences. But at the same time, it's really hard to build that, you know, that group of people who might want to help you like parent a child,
0: you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's where, that's one of the good things about where I come from is because it it's a, we have a huge community of people like uh, extended families are very close, not just the nuclear family. So yes, I have a mom, I have, you know, family, I have lots of cousins, I have lots of friends that, I could drop my kid at anybody's house i know that it'll be fine and they'll be well taken care of so that's actually one of the benefits of, of, of um, coming from the kind of place that i come from that's traditionally very very communal based kind of living you know um so every like if you if you live in like an apartment complex for example you're everyone's kid Everywhere you go to anyone's house when you come back from school and and eat and bathe and all of those things, so you you know you get taken care of. But um, as a single mom, I I use myself as as an example, I guess I I think too much, I overthink and I overanalyze situations. So when I imagined what my life would be, I was like, okay. I don't know if i'm gonna get married or not maybe i would i don't know when maybe i may have a kid before maybe after something may happen whatever whatever what kind of life do i want to have that will enable me to have the most time for my kids one of the drivers about for why i do what i do to be able to work from home or work from wherever i want is because of that Um, um i had i grew up in a place in a in in a family where my mom was always busy she was always working my dad wasn't always around so um pretty much grew up by myself and as eldest kid so i had to be a mom for my younger ones as well so i didn't really have a childhood you know so my younger ones will start talking about you know fun things that they did in their childhood and i'll just sit there i can't relate because i was busy being like, <laughs> i was busy being a second mom i was assistant mom you know taking care of them and i i kind of feel sad sort of regret, you know, for not having a childhood because, you know, that period of time really shapes who you are. as so, you know, I mean, I feel like it kind of contributed to why I was the way I was before because I was always alone, always to myself, serious responsibilities, way more responsibilities than, than a child could, um, should have, you know. So all of that really kind of shapes and formed me at the time. So I was like, I don't want this for a kid. If I eventually have a kid, so what do I do? Like, if, I, if my mom was around more often, I would have been able to have conversations with her, talk to her, and all of those things. I want to be that. I want to be able to be at home and to be able to raise my kids and to see them and to be able to impact them. So I became intentional about shaping my life um, and my career as well. So yes, I have a career that is thriving, but I've been able to build it in such a way that I am able to be at home and um T- create a trajectory for my life where I would do less and less work and have more and more free time. So the ultimate goal for me is time freedom. So the more time I have, the more I'm able to be more involved with you know my children's lives and stuff and to be there for them. So it still boils down to being intentional about your own life. Should you decide to have kids and finding out the best, um, trajectory for your own life and your career that enables you to be able to have more time for your kids um so that's it so for me like nine to five was out of it totally out of it because i did not want someone else to control my time i wanted to be in control of my time as well so that really really helped me to decide on the career path that i was going to to go yeah
2: i think that going just touching on the uh the sort of community raising of children i feel like that's something that has like america has really kind of lost that aspect of of you know ch- child rearing i feel like we're very like into indu- individualistic on a family level and like it's getting more and more common to like you know not know your neighbors and things like that so i do think yeah that's like that is one pro of seems like of where you come from because like that i mean eventually when i when i do acquire a child in some way whether it be like through adoption or you know um biologically, biologically. <laughs> um I, yeah, that's like something that I really, really want for my kid.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And I feel like that is just such a, it's just part, it's partially why I really dislike this whole, one of the many reasons why I dislike the framework of like a developed country versus a developing country. Because normatively, there's so many things that I feel like, quote unquote, developing countries have just be, have done better than, <laughs> than, Quote unquote developed countries and I feel like this is one of those things right so when you have this conception of progress that is just this linear like you keep just going up and up and up and there's no like you know and to do anything that you used to do is regressive then like you really discount all of the things that were actually really positive about living in these like you know smaller more kind of centralized communities of just like you know. Like, more like what it seems like, you know, your family and community is like. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, that's true. Even even in um, in Nigeria, in the pockets and areas where it it kind of seems more developed, because obviously the development is not very um equal, it's very uneven. So in areas where you see more developed, um, more uh, people who have a higher standard, higher standard of living and higher cost of living, you see that those um those uh, aspects of the developed country, there everyone has a gate, everyone has a. Around yeah. their house, you know, everyone stays in their own house, so you have like one family, one house, a fence around it. You don't know who your next door neighbor is, everyone just jumps in their car, drives out, goes to wherever they go, come back in, and you don't even see friends and neighbors. It's a bit different, though, in those who stay in like estate communities where okay, it's one huge gated community, but you can still see people. But the more the more we see people having individual homes and fencing themselves into their own spaces and, you know, everyone trying to be individ- individualistic and independent from the rest of their families and all that, you, the more you see that, you know, the aspect that really makes us really communal, that really makes um, um, this African traditional method of raising kids and growing up, the more you see that being eroded and completely chipped away, you know. And I think that is um, it's something that is to be sad if it, if it gets completely lost, honestly.
1: yeah. That's super sad because it's like, yeah, we feel like, you know, in order to quote unquote progress, we have to adopt all of these things wholesale from like Western, you know, this Westernization. But like you can have the technology and like, you know, the economy and like, you know, all of these other great things that are coming out of, you know, like Western culture and just like not take the shitty things, like having to isolate
0: yourself and <laughs> close yourself off from everyone else, because like that's terrible. Yeah. You know? are so alone, and I, I feel like it also leads to a rise in mental health issues as well, because people are so isolated and so secluded, and they really can't reach out to anyone, especially when they're struggling and stuff. You know, like like in Nigeria, everybody's business is everybody's business. So unfortunately, sad. But sometimes it's helpful, sometimes it's not helpful, but you know like people will tell you like oh you don't look good what's going on what's happening people would reach out to you and stuff like that so yeah i think um it's one of the reasons why this, this people are still generally happy even though the economy isn't the best people are still happy at least they have each other they can actually talk to each other and just decide to just hang out you can just see like something funny happens you know in in, in a lot of nigerian places um, um states and cities and stuff where you Maybe the electricity goes out, for example, in, in, in an area, and someone turns on um, the generator, which is like an alternative source of electricity, and suddenly it's a party, because everyone just goes into the person's house, like whether you're invited or not, and everyone goes into your house, everyone brings their bottle of, of beer or whatever, and turns on a TV and plugs in the music, and, and next thing is a party. You know, so we see people turning, sad situations like having power outage into a whole party and that's you know one of the things that that i think is really great about about where i come from and stuff. So people people find ways to actually turn you know these kind of seemingly dark sad situations into um um good things i'll give you an, another example we're talking about the ensas protests you know um, um earlier on there were days where musicians went to the protest grounds to perform during the protest, people, like, donated so much money. Like, you go to the protest ground, you actually ate breakfast, lunch, and dinner. There was that. People People brought, like, like mats and stuff to, to, to sleep and blankets, you know. It was a protest. It's something I've never seen anywhere before. But it was fun. People started yeah. going to the protest because of the food and the party and the fun and everything. So, you know, having situations like that, it, it stands to reason why, okay, there's not as much... Um, Um, issues, about mental health um, challenges in such countries, in such situations than in other areas that seem to be very strict, very westernized, and seemingly very advanced, but are losing those aspects of community that actually make up who we are as human That's (laughs) amazing.
1: Like, that's the thing that I think is really one of the curses of um, being more wealthy, is that you can... Like it's framed as such a good thing. It's like, oh, now you can afford, you know, apartment by yourself. You don't have to live with roommates. Now you can be self-sufficient. Now you don't have to rely on other people. But actually relying on other people is a really important foundation of being in a community. And we know that being in communities make us happy, like from research, right? Like. (laughs) So that's one of the really like things that I don't think we have yet figured out how to handle as you know we become more self-sufficient economically and like technologically advanced is how we how do we mitigate those negative elements that come with um yeah Yeah. greater wealth yeah and more technology totally (sighs) yeah that sounds like a, a good place to wrap do you do either you have anything else that you wanted to include or talk about
2: yeah with more technology yeah
0: um i'll just say um um, um um being single isn't a curse we've said this before being single isn't like some sort of curse it's in, it's not like some sort of trans no. you should stop treating it as like a transient phase Oh, i'm in this phase and it's going to end when i get in a relationship it's your life and you're living it and stuff may happen along the way and stuff may not happen along the way. It doesn't stop you from leaving. Um, a lot of young people get to a particular point, you know, in their life where they find themselves still single. And I'm like, okay, my life is over. You know, that's it. it's, it's over because I don't have a partner, but it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, I don't think anybody's purpose was to get born and then go and partner up. You have so much more to offer um with your life and with the skills and the talents and the amazing abilities that you have and you it you owe it to yourself and you owe it to the rest of humanity to continue to live that life and to continue to be productive and to continue to um um add your own your own quota i guess to to society and to the world and to leave your mark on the world and on on earth i mean um it doesn't begin because you finally found somebody you can live a very fulfilled single life you know there's so many people who have and um um, you can live that life and still have much more impact than the other people who have have partnered or even if you even have partnered up so um see it as not necessarily as like a full stop or you know like a full stop and then another sentence beginning again when something else happened. just see there's a complete sentence that runs and if there is a comma fine if the comma doesn't come that's okay as well
2: uh, Adrian, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. So, uh, my final question for you is: What are you most looking forward to doing post uh, pandemic?
0: I'll say what I've always said. Um, I look forward to helping people to see possibilities in themselves that they never thought possible, and hopefully inspire them to turn those possibilities into reality. That's my that's my mantra.
2: Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, yeah is there anything you want to plug maybe you can talk about your businesses or whatever but this is your time
0: uh, follow me on Instagram <laughs> 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 at <Adrian Deo. laughs> yeah um,
2: that's what's, it what's your Instagram handle at got it and we'll put that in the show notes as well
0: awesome um, thank you
2: and as always uh, if you like what you heard you can follow us at I'm the Villain Pod. that's our Instagram that's our Twitter And that's our Gmail. Otherwise, bye.